It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app just after 5 o'clock, which means it's time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Today's guest is a longtime journalist covering the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, one of the best pro football writers in America. It is the Orlando Ledbetter. Uh, what's up, man? How are you? Appreciate you. Hey, hey, I'm doing great, Craig. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So uh, we are very interested uh, not in your current happenings down there, although I do want to ask about the hiring of Raheem Morris here in a few minutes. But, D, I would first like to ask you about what it was like covering Dan Quinn as a head coach and what you make of him as a candidate because suddenly he looks like a very, very big possibility to be the next head coach here in Washington with the news of the last 48 hours on other guys who will not be. Yeah, Coach Dan came in here after Mike Smith was the winningest, who was the winningest coach in uh, Falcons history. Didn't take a, a lot of work to get there, but he did it. And then Quinn was, um, you know, got off to a great start. Uh, you know, really streaky his teams over the course of the five uh, plus years, uh, but got to the Super Bowl in the second year with Kyle Shanahan dialing up the plays with the. You know, seventh-ranked offense in the league, uh, third-ranked of all-time yards, made Matt Ryan MVP, uh, had a young defense. It looked like they were going to be going back uh, to that game uh, for years to come. But the young defense started getting hurt. The draft started going down, and free agency uh, started to hit. Uh, and so that team fell apart a little bit quicker than they had anticipated, and he got fired five games into the 2020 season. So that's the the timeline, and I'm I'm curious, uh, kind of how folks down there, and how you, as someone who was there covering it, kind of split up the blame slash credit pie. Because I think from the outside, it's very easy to look at that Super Bowl team and be like, well, that was really Kyle Shanahan. What credit does Kyle get? What credit does Dan get? And then what about after Kyle leaves? Like, what's the kind of blame pie between Dan and the front office, and any other factors in the demise? Yeah, it, it's enough to go around. You know, they, they made a decision not to hire Matt LaFleur, who was a quarterback coach uh, under Shanahan, and went out and got Steve Sarkeesian, who, you know, had been a college coach. And, uh, you know, and went, he's done pretty good since he went back to college. But <laughs> he was not, um, you know, he wasn't a pro play caller. He was calling jet sweeps on the one-yard line and so forth. So that season ended in Philly with them trying to, uh, you know, they should have beat Philly. Nick Foles upset him. The Eagles going to win the Super Bowl. So they had a shot at two Super Bowls under Dan Quinn. Uh, and, you know, defensively, they started to get a little leaky as uh, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, and some of those guys started suffering injuries. Jalen Collins could never make it. He was a wasted second-round pick. Uh, but, yeah, all that promise of the young defense that Dan was constructing never came to four. So that was his part in the uh, in the demise of the Falcons. Dear Orlando Ledbetter, a reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, covering the Falcons with us here on the Hoffman Show. What what kind of coach was Dan down there? Was he super hands-on? Was he more of a CEO type? And what do you think he would be, and how do you think he would change things in his second time around? Yeah, he was uh, hands-on. The uh, 
he uh, uh, coached the defensive line. He was, you know, he'd be out there with those guys moving around and so forth. Didn't do too much with the offense. Uh, but, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was more hands-on, uh, you know, with his approach and his communications and so forth that he was uh, uh, set forth. He set the tone. Raheem was his second lieutenant, and so was, you know, Kyle. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they were going to play hard. They were going to play physical. They were going to hit you. And, uh, you know, until they ran out of steam, they were they were lighting up the, uh, Brady and the Patriots, but they were on the field too long. So, you know, that that's uh, the, the, um, the, the, the line that ran through all his teams, that, hey, they're going to light you up. They get a hold of you. And then towards the end, he just didn't have players that were – uh, that could fulfill his vision for attacking offenses. So when you look at the – I mean, he was 0-5 in that final year, so I guess it's probably pretty universal uh, what the – the like people were fine with him getting fired. But, like, as the years have gone on, are you surprised that, that he's back as a head coach candidate? Do you think it would take this long? Like, do you think it, he shouldn't be at all? Like, what do, what do you personally, as someone who covered him – make of Dan Quinn, head coach candidate in 2024? Yeah, yeah, I thought he'd be in Seattle before now. I kind of felt once um, Carroll left, they would just sign him up. But uh, that apparently not is not happening. Uh, but, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, that he can go re- rehabilitate himself. Uh, he's still a leader of men. Uh, put some, you know, on, I know what happened this year in the playoffs, but he's put together a good defense down in Dallas. Uh, so yeah, you know there'll be he'll be a, a good candidate for for this cycle and maybe the next couple because he's got experience. He's not guessing on it, what he's trying to do this time around. If he were to call you and say, "Hey D, I respect your work. You've been covering this league a long time. You've covered a bunch of different coaches. You've seen success. You've seen failure." I got to understand what I did wrong in in Atlanta so that I can be successful in my next spot. What would you tell him? Um, you got to know a little bit more about the offense. So if you're up 28 to three in the Super Bowl, you shouldn't let the <laughs> offensive coordinator throw the ball. I tell him that. Uh, start off right there, and then um, I tell him, hey, you know, get uh, a good GM to help you pick the players. You 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 had no business running the draft down here. Uh, so yeah, that's what I would tell him. Get you a good scouting guy to be the GM, and uh, you know, know more, know enough on the offense to stop the uh, play when uh, you need to be running it with the lead in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that uh, that Super Bowl tends to loom large on the resume. And then I think I think where people get spooked, too, is they see what happened this year in the playoffs. Like, is that is that a freakish coincidence that two enormous games that, that his team has come up, or in Dallas's case, his side of the ball came up extremely short? Or do you think that's like a, a flaw in the wiring, something with him, that in big moments he's actually not up for it? No, no, I think it was a personnel issue he was faced with. His best package was a dime package, so that's what he played. And, uh, hey, if you're running a dime out there, people are going to run on it. So uh, that defense was built to um, it was built to attack people with the lead. When they didn't get the lead, you know, they, they, were, they were left out on the island to get uh, ran up and down the field on, and that's kind of what happened. So, uh, you know, you got to get, you gotta get uh, you know, some talent in there to where you can play a stout 4-3 or a stout, um, you know, nickel where you could stop the run and play coverage. But, you know, he had all them safeties in there that should have been, you know, playing linebacker that they were a little too light in the pants. So, I, I um, 
you know, it was pretty much a personnel issue with those guys. They went after it when they had the lead, but, uh, you know, when you had to get in a knockdown drag out uh, with people running the ball, you know, you just saw Aaron Jones hitting the corner on them every time repeatedly. Uh, so that that's what happened in that game. Not, no real big football thing there. Dear Orlando Ledbetter, a reporter uh, covering the Falcons at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is with us. All right, real quick on the way out here, D, uh, the Raheem Morris hire, I think it's it's great for Atlanta. I think it's great that Raheem's getting another shot. Um, and I thought it was great that they, you know, they circled their guy and they went. They didn't wait for Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald or any of these other guys. What was the, it like covering that process, and, and what did you make of it ending not only with Raheem, but when it ended with him, one of the first hires of the cycle? Yeah, the, um, what we wrote on uh, on January 11th that Bill Belichick was the owner's target and that if they didn't get Bill Belichick, Raheem Morris was the next candidate. So we feel good about that reporting. And, um, you know, it makes sense to us then and just now. Raheem's, uh, you know, a head coach with experience. The other five guys that Arthur Blank hired were all assistants, you know, no, some of them no-name assistants that were coordinators. Uh, that came in here, and, um, you know, Mike Smith did a great job, but Jim Moore, not so much. Bobby Petrino, not so much. Uh, Quinn had it going for a little while, couldn't keep it going. And then Arthur Smith had a bad situation from the salary cap uh, and uh, an aging quarterback that he couldn't get it going in three years uh, when they gave him a short hook. So I was surprised with Raheem. They think that team's pretty good. They think they can – um, you know, they think that can take off with the right coach and the right quarterback. I think they still need more talent in their bottom uh, d- dwelling team that, uh, you know, is not coming to reality. The fact that they lost, have six straight losing seasons. No, and they also need to figure out quarterback. Do you think they're in the mix at seven for, for a quarterback? Uh, yeah, yeah, but they I don't figure one uh, worthy being at that spot. Uh, you know, the top three will probably be gone. Caleb Williams, uh, Jaden Daniels, and uh, Drake May will probably be gone by seven. I think you don't want to overdraft J.J. McCarthy or Penix or Bo Nix. So, yeah, they're in a the bad quarterback spot. Um, is there any chance in your mind that we're talking again here in a couple months because the Commanders and the Falcons made a trade and Atlanta scoots up into that top three to try to take one of those guys? Yeah, I can't see that. I can't, I got to think the commanders are going like one of the quarterbacks up there, too. I think they uh, are in the same quarterback boat. But, hey, if not, and they like Sam Howe and uh, want to stay in that in that lane, shoot, yeah, y'all have a bunch of draft picks coming your way and maybe Cal Pitts. <laughs> hey, I think that would excite a lot of fans here. I think they'd still probably want them to take, like, Bo Nix or someone at seven. But uh, getting Kyle Pitts and trading back, there's there's certainly a lot of folks that would that, that would excite. Uh, so if that happens, D, we'll be talking. Uh, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for uh, for giving some uh, to us during a busy time of year. Sure, no problem, Craig. You take care and have a great evening. Uh, you as well. That is D. Orlando Ledbetter, everybody. Uh, Falcons beat reporter at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, take some more of your calls next, 301-230-0980. Thoughts on Mike McDonald headed to Seattle and where that leaves the commanders. The Ace Law listener line, of course, if you're in Iraq, Ace Law helps you get a check. You call 8888-ACE-LAW, 301-230-0980. Your call's next.